Hey everybody, this is Encuentro. Today is the memorial of the, uh, the Passion of St. John the Baptist. Let's begin with a prayer of St. Francis. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, make me a means of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, let me bring joy. Divine Master, grant that I may seek not so much to be consoled, but to console. Not so much to be understood, but to understand. Not so much to be loved, but to love. For it is in giving that we receive, and it is in forgiving that we are forgiven. And it is in dying to ourselves that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Today's reading on the memorial of the Passion of John the Baptist is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, verses 17 to 29. It's the beheading of John the Baptist. Herod was the one who had John the Baptist arrested and bound in prison on account of Herodias, the wife of his brother Philip, whom he married. John had said to Herod, It is not lawful for you to take your brother's wife. Herodias harbored a grudge against John and wanted to kill him, but was unable to do so. Herod feared John, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man, and so kept him in custody. When he heard John speak, he was very much perplexed, and yet he liked listening to John. Herodias had an opportunity one day when Herod, on his birthday, gave a banquet for his courtiers, his military officers, and the leading men of Galilee. Herodias' own daughter came in and performed a dance that delighted Herod and his guests. The king said to the girl, Ask of me whatever you want and I will give it to you. He even swore many things to her. I will grant you whatever you ask of me, he said, even half of my kingdom. And so she went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? Herodias replied, The head of John the Baptist. The girl hurried back to the king's presence and made her request. I want you to give me at once, on a platter, the head of John the Baptist. Herod was deeply distressed. But because of his oaths and the guests, he did not wish to break his word to her. So he promptly dispatched an executioner with orders to bring back his head. He went off and beheaded John in prison and brought in the head on a platter and gave it to the girl. The girl, in turn, gave it to her mother. When John's disciples heard about this, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. What a tremendous tragedy this gospel reading is. As I was reading it yesterday or last night, and I was reflecting on it, I was thinking to myself, what a, what, a, what a bunch of tragic characters, you know, we have in this particular gospel. I mean, think about it, you know. You begin with Herodias, okay? She had so much resentment and bitterness and held a grudge against John, against John the Baptist, you know? I mean, for simply calling out the error of her ways. And what she did was wrong. And he was simply telling her that what she was doing was wrong. And... And for some reason, that, 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 that anger, that, that grudge, you know, was just eating her inside. And the gospel tells us that she was just, you know, she wanted to have him killed, but she couldn't do it on account of, of Herod having some respect for John. 
And so she held that in her and it was eating her up until one day, she was just waiting for the opportunity, until one day she found the opportunity, you know, because her daughter came in and performed a dance, which is, you know, the second tragic character, if you will, in, uh, in the gospel reading, you know, Herodias' daughter. She asks her mom, you know, what should I ask for? And the mom says, I want John the Baptist's head. And, and notice the depravity of this young girl. She adds a flourish to the mother's request. And so she says, I want John the Baptist's head on a platter. That is tragic. Such a young person. And of course, you know, we have the tragedy of John, John the Baptist himself, you know, a man who, who was merely speaking the truth, you know. Uh, nobody likes prophets, you know. Um, that's why prophets are killed or they're shunned or they're driven away because they speak the truth. We, we don't like hearing what they have to say because it disturbs us, you know. In the Old Testament, there was a way of knowing the true prophets from the false ones. You know, the false prophets would pour honey into the king's ear. Okay? They would tell them all the nice things. You know, they're yes men. And so the kings would never really know the real score. The true prophets, on the other hand, they will tell you things as they are. They'll tell you not what you want to hear, but what you have to hear. And for that, John the Baptist uh, lost his life. But the greatest tragedy of all in today's gospel reading it's not even John's death. It's Herod. You know, if you reflect on this, this character, you know, this is a king. Okay? And he had so much power. He had tremendous wealth. Okay? He was doing something wrong. Okay? And John the Baptist called him out for it. And yet, and yet, if you notice... He was disturbed, perplexed by John. And at the same time, he liked listening to John. You know, there was something in John that attracted Herod. You know, there, there, was, a, there was a sliver of goodness that was still in the man. And that's why something in John resonated with him. And, and you know, he recognized John. There was a recognition of goodness in John. He knew him to be a holy man, you know. That, that very recognition tells us that there's something in Herod that remained good. Kind of remind me of Darth Vader in Star Wars, you know. Uh, Luke Skywalker believing that there was still something good in his father. There was, there was still a sliver of good in John, in, in Herod. And that's what was drawing him to John, and he couldn't kill him. And, and that is why when, when the daughter of Herodias asked for John's head on a platter, Herod didn't like it. He didn't like it. He didn't want to kill John. You know? You know, St. Augustine, as a young man, was a pretty wayward youth. You know? And there's a story of him and his friend stealing pears in the Confessions. And you know, he says something really fascinating. He says, I don't know why I did it. We didn't like the pears. They were not even sweet. We didn't need them. We weren't hungry. Okay? But there was something to the stealing that, that drew us to it. And yet at the same time, 
Sina Gustin says, I knew there was something wrong with it. You know, it was bad, and yet I was drawn to it. And yet at the same time, I knew that my being drawn to something bad was not good. There was something in me that was telling me it's not right. And then you have St. Paul in the seventh chapter to the Romans who talks about an inner conflict that's going on inside him. Uh, He says, what is wrong with me? Why do I do not the good that I should do, but the bad that I don't want to do? You know, there's there's this inner turmoil, a a battle, if you will, um, inside him. You know, St. Augustine, of course, at one point, you know, interpreted the, that, that inner turmoil, you know, in terms of a, a wrong uh, philosophy, you know, the Manichaean philosophy that thinks that there is a, a battle between equally, you know, powerful forces of good and evil. And we Christians, of course, do not believe that. And St. Augustine himself rejected that idea. Okay? <clears throat> and yet, we all do experience that in ourselves. You know, there is a constant... A battle between uh, doing good and then doing something wrong. You know, it's the classic, the devil sitting on your right shoulder and the, uh, sorry, the, the angel sitting on your right shoulder and the devil sitting on your left. Uh, by the way, have you ever wondered why, you know, the devil is always shown whispering to you uh, and standing on your left shoulder and the angel's always in your right? Well, I mean, uh, the, the left, you know, left in Latin is sinistra, okay? which is where the word sinister comes from. You know? um, but I digress. Uh, the Native Americans have this story, and maybe some of you have, I'm sure some of you, maybe many of you have heard the story, uh, of uh, a young child talking to his grandfather, okay? And the grandfather's telling this child about, you know, uh, the impulses that he has inside of him. You know, the good impulses and the bad impulses. And uh, the child says, well, uh, why am I this way? And the grandfather says, well, inside every person, remember, this is a Native American story. Inside every person, he says, are two wolves. Inside each one of us are two wolves. There is a good wolf and a bad wolf. And these two wolves are in, involved in a battle royale, in a clash for the ages. Okay? They're always in conflict with one another, constantly battling it out. You have the good impulses of kindness, of generosity, you know, of, of happiness, of joy, of charity, all of the good things inside us. And then you have the evil impulses of envy, of greed, of avarice, you know, of malice. You know, of, of anger, of lust, of hate. And these two are in a constant, you know, in a, locked in a constant battle with each other. These two wolves. And so the child says to the grandfather, Well, grandfather, uh, which of the two wolves will eventually win? And the grandfather says, The one that you feed. The one that you feed. You know, we are creatures neither of pure darkness nor pure light. Even the saints, you know, had inside them, you know, certain things, impulses that uh, they didn't like, you know, and they would, they would confess 
these sins and these impulses, these weaknesses to the Lord. And in, in, in many cases, you know, the saints found themselves feeling so unworthy because of these things inside them that they didn't like, like St. Augustine or, or St. Paul. But at the same time, you know, that, that darkness that they felt, that, that shadow side in them, okay, did not make the saints lose sight of the fact that there was goodness in them too. There was light, you know. Think about ourselves, you know. Each one of us uh, has a, a cross or crosses that we bear. For some, it's anger. Uh, for some, it's, it's gossip. Uh, for some, it's, uh, it's malicious thoughts. For some, it's lust. So we have all of these sins, you know. And uh, some of us have a few more than others. But there's also goodness in us. You know, even in the worst criminal, um, there's, there's slivers of goodness. Okay? We are creatures neither of pure darkness nor pure light. There are slivers of both in us. You know, the tragedy of Herod, and that is what makes Herod the most tragic of all the characters in today's gospel reading. The tragedy of Herod is that the darkness inside him could not overcome the good. The darkness became too powerful. You know, goodness lost in Herod. And he knew that it was losing at that very moment. I mean, I, I don't know if you, you guys were... We're, you know, we're able to, to pay attention to, uh, to that line that we read when Herodias' daughter hurried back to the king and made her request. And she says, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. The, the gospel passage says, the king was deeply distressed. Deeply distressed. There was, there, there, there's, I mean, there's something right there that tells you that the, 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 the battle between, you know, the darkness and the light, the goodness and, you know, the sliver of goodness that was still there in Herod and the, this overwhelming sense of, of darkness. It was happening. At the same time, you can see and sense, if you really enter into the reading, how the light the good was snuffed out by the dark, by evil, goodness lost in Herod that day. But why did it lose? That's the point. Why did it lose? It lost because it was never reinforced. As the Native American story says, you know, as the grandfather says to the child, it was never fed. The goodness inside of us has to be fed. It has to be nurtured. It has to be nourished. It has to be watered like a seed. But what reinforces good? Okay? What magnifies the light? Okay? Habit. Good habits. Goodness that is done habitually Okay? reinforces that goodness that is inside us. It magnifies the light. Okay? When I am 
aware okay, of the goodness that God has given me. Let's say a person knows, for example, that he has, uh, I don't know, a, a love or a heart for uh, the needy. He knows that. He feels that. If he reinforces or she reinforces that, it will grow. If a person knows, senses, that he or she, <clears throat> you know, has this, this, uh, this gift of uh, cheering people up because of his or her cheerful disposition, and he practices that, or she practices that constantly, okay, spreading cheer and joy and light, that will grow. It will grow. Eventually, it becomes a habit. If a person feels, for example, you know, that uh, he or she uh, has a gift for uh, consoling people, and if he or she reinforces that, if every time he or she senses or sees somebody who's sad or, or, or downcast, and immediately takes the opportunity to cheer that person up, that habit will grow. It's the same thing with our intellectual gifts. If a person is good at math and he constantly reinforces that, his knowledge of math will, will grow. If a person is good with music, if he constantly practices that, it will grow. If a person is good at basketball or football or volleyball or baseball or, or, or whatever sport and constantly practices, it'll grow. Goodness grows, but the evil inside of us grows too. Vices, vices, okay, are bad habits. If we do not take care of our health, okay, if we expose ourselves to those things that could endanger our health, okay, unhealthy food, unhealthy habits, okay, uh, smoking, too much drink, uh, excessive partying, if you will, uh, engaging in, uh, in dangerous uh, sexual relations. Okay? If a person reinforces those, they become bad habits. And the darkness inside that person grows. But the way for the darkness to eventually shrink is for the goodness to be expanded so that the dark can be pushed out. You know, um, goodness, okay, good habits become virtues. What is a virtue? A virtue is a power, it's a force, okay? It's, it's like second nature. You know, when you always speak well of others, you will always speak well of others because it's become second nature to you. When you seek to be hopeful rather than pessimistic okay, about life and you constantly reinforce that, you always try, as the Stoics encourage us, to see the good in things no matter how hard that'll grow until eventually your entire disposition becomes one of light, of joy, 
You know, even in the most difficult of circumstances. It is that which conquers the dark and shadowy parts of ourselves. It is that which pushes out, squeezes out the darkness. It is that which feeds the good wolf. You know, <coughs> Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche, and I love reading Nietzsche. He's, he's, a, he's a hoot, you know, he's a riot. When you read his works, you know, it's all rantings. Um... Sometimes he's considered the arch foe of religion, you know, an atheist. Well, I have my own ideas about Nietzsche, but that's for another podcast. Uh, and he absolutely detests religion. And, you know, he has some very nasty words about us Catholic priests, you know. He, he absolutely detests Catholic priests for some reason, you know. Um, in, in his book, The Antichrist, of course, he writes a lot of books. You know, he wrote a lot of books. Uh, but one of my my favorites, if you will, simply because when you read this guy, you know it's like it's like it's like reading somebody who's ranting, you know. Uh, it's for entertainment that I read it, okay. Um, but at the same time, you know there there are slivers of of truth in there. You know, Saint Augustine says, you know, there is gold to be found everywhere, and even in Nietzsche, you will find tremendous tremendous uh, gold in his writings. You know, in in, uh, in that book, The Antichrist, for instance, he says Christianity is a disease. You know, um, again, you know, it's a fascinating line. That's for another podcast. And yet, in the same book, in the same book, this man who calls Christianity a disease, who hates religion and who hates priests, he says, the last true Christian died on the cross. The last true Christian died on the cross. And then he says, the kingdom of heaven is a condition of the heart. It's like, whoa, what gives, Nietzsche? But it's a love-hate relation. Again, as I said, that's for another uh, topic. And yet, and yet, Nietzsche points out in that book, he says, there is a wellspring of resentment in all of us. Not just priests. There is a wellspring of resentment in all of us. Of course, he especially uh, zeroes in on us priests. What is that wellspring of resentment inside the person? He says, it is born out of frustration and disappointment at life. He says, the shadowy part of the person arises out of the frustration and disappointment we experience in life. Why? Because life is never what we want it to be. Never is. And that disappoints us, he says. Life is not what we want it to be. Never has been, never will be. And then he says, and that makes us upset. It makes us resentful. It makes us bitter. It makes us angry. It is the source of the darkness inside us. It is the origin of the dark side. Sadly, sadly, Nietzsche stops there. He stops there. Nietzsche was on to something. Okay? That's why he says, you know, the last Christian, the last true Christian died on the cross, so the kingdom of heaven is the condition of the heart, of the heart. Nietzsche was drawn toward something. He was on to something. That's why I find find fascinating to read him. But he stops there. Like Herod, 
who was drawn to John the Baptist. Nietzsche was being drawn to something. And yet, like Herod, he stops right before he gets there. Herod was drawn to John. Would that he had taken that extra step, that next step to actually go to John. Alas, that wasn't to happen. Nietzsche, Nietzsche stops at the foot of Calvary. He's drawn towards it. You read the writings of Nietzsche, you know, forget all of these these ideas, of course, you know, that is a scholarly opinion. I respect other scholars. This is my reading and interpretation of Nietzsche. Okay? And I will not deny the fact that I am a Christian. I am a believer. I am a Catholic priest. And I'm not defending Nietzsche. Okay? Um, this is not to baptize Nietzsche. Don't get me wrong. But if you read Nietzsche carefully, there is something in the man that is drawn towards Christ. Towards truth. But he stops. He stops short right before he gets there. He stops at the foot of Calvary and stays there. He refuses to ascend. Herod was drawn to John the Baptist. But he also stops right there. He fails and refuses to take that next step. What would have happened if Herod did? Jesus shows us the way, you know, not just to overcome the darkness inside us, but to transform it into light, to transform that darkness into light. That is why we do not simply have these two equal forces inside us. No, the light is always greater than the darkness. The good is always greater than evil. And Jesus has shown us the way, not just to overcome the darkness, but to transform it, to transmute it into light, into life, into something that doesn't only heal, but makes us whole, makes us live our lives to the full. And like that field of bones in the Old Testament that is given new life by the breath of God, we too are given new life. On this day, when we commemorate the passion of St. John the Baptist, would that we feed the goodness that is inside us so that it may overcome the darkness? Would that we expand the domain of light inside us so that all the shadows that are there in us may be banished? And we do that by taking that next step, by ascending to Calvary, by embracing the cross. If anyone wishes to be my disciple, Jesus says, you must take up his cross and follow me. Feed the light, expand the good, and that way, we will banish the darkness. We will banish that evil that is in us. Feed the light.
Feed the good. Bring it to the cross. Follow Christ.